go with a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Eh, it's a little late for a Friday edition. We're getting it in under the midnight deadline, but we'll probably release it on Saturday morning. Glad to have all you guys along. Appreciate it very much. I'm Bruce Hooley. This is the We Tackle Life podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at We Tackle. Would appreciate a five-star review, although I find it increasingly humorous that uh, podcasters who ask for reviews – uh, Rich Lowry does this on the editor's podcast at National Review. Uh, Andrew Claven does this on his podcast at the Daily Wire. They all now ask for a five-star review. And if you're not going to give me a five-star review, then <laughs> don't leave a review. Uh, I don't care what kind of a review you leave me because I'm doing this to uh, hopefully get, number one, the faith part of the podcast out, number two, because I enjoy engaging with you guys. And I just have long since realized that uh, a lot of people uh, are going to like what I do and a lot of people are not going to like what I do. And it really has gotten to the point where I don't think I've ever been less bothered by the criticism than ever before. Uh, the sports side of it obviously doesn't make a difference. The stuff I talk about on my radio show at 98.9 and at 94.5, that really does, I think, make a difference uh, at least to me, that we speak truth in the culture. And so if you don't like those opinions, that's fine. That's definitely your opinion. It's America, and I'll fight for America. But uh, it really doesn't affect me. Because it was interesting today, i got to tell you this, before we get started with all the Ohio State, uh, Browns, Bengals, uh, college football, and uh, other assorted NFL stuff we have. So I, so I had a guy today who I have a business association with, and he's not a sports fan, but he talks about our association and people say, oh, that guy used to be a sports guy. Oh, so this guy's like, what, what happened with you and some Ohio state fans? <laughs> and it was funny. Like it's been so long since the tattoo gate thing and Jim Trestle and him resigning and, uh, all that happened that I, I kind of had to like refresh my memory on the whole timeline of it. And, uh, what I actually said on the air, what people think I said on the air. And it's just really funny that uh, this guy was like, what did you say? Like, and I, I told him and he's like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's all I said. You got to sit him down until you know how bad uh, his NCAA violations were. He's like, oh, wow, it's amazing. Like people got that upset. No, not really. People are pretty passionate about Ohio State and about their sports. So, and I still have people who tweet at me. When I, when I tweet something political, which I do a lot because that's my job is like to engage on uh, news talk now that I'm a news talk host on uh, 98.9 and 94.5, 98.9 in Columbus, 94.5 in Dayton, I'll have people go, oh, stick to sports. And I'm like, well, those are mostly Cleveland people because I guess they think that's I, – I, I obviously came back to Columbus to do sports radio, but I haven't done sports radio since, what, 2019? Yeah, been a while, so – uh, I'm enjoying what I do. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do, leave me a five-star review. If you don't, give me a one-star review and snark me, and I'll get a good laugh out of it. So, all right, with that, let's press on toward what we have in terms of the sports content. And I am, i got to tell you, I'm really excited about the faith portion of the podcast today. It is a uh, bittersweet lesson that I learned and that I'm going to refresh uh, in my mind tomorrow, which I will explain when we get to the faith portion of the podcast. But first, uh, here's an invitation for you. I'm excited, too, to advocate for a new sponsor of mine, PatriotSwitch.com. PatriotSwitch.com is something that um, we were customers of before I was an advocate for it on the uh, 
on the end of recommending it. We were thinking in our household about what we were doing with our money when we buy things and were we buying it from companies that shared our shared our values. And increasingly, as we looked at our uh, monthly spend on all kinds of items, television, cell phone, on, on, and on, we realized that while we have very distinct and clear reasons for believing what we believe, um, socially, psychologically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, we were spending money with corporations that were definitely not aligned with our values. We went searching for a way to make a statement about that. And PatriotSwitch.com is the solution that we found. We are customers of a family-owned company in Idaho that's been in business since the 1980s that is um, an, an oddity in the retail world. They don't advertise their products. They don't. They don't put them in any stores. Weird, right? They sell direct to consumer, and they only sell what they make. What do they make? Well, they make a lot of things that you have at home in your medicine cabinet, in your laundry uh, cupboard, in your under your sink to clean your countertops, all that stuff. Household items. Think of like the same stuff that Procter & Gamble makes or Unilever makes, all those household products and stuff, personal care, mouthwash, toothpaste, deodorant, lotions, vitamins, uh, stuff to clean your dishes, stuff to clean your clothes, stuff to clean your countertops, toilet bowls, on and on and on, windows. And they make all this stuff, and they make it out of plant extracts. And I'm not a super green freak, but uh, I like to steward the environment. God's given us a beautiful environment. So we're Patriot Switch customers. If you'd like to find out more about Patriot Switch, it's the only way you can, is to uh, leave your name and some contact information at PatriotSwitch.com under my name in the drop-down menu for How Did You Hear About Them. And then I'll reach out to you, and I'll talk to you. Yes, really me. Not some. I don't have, I don't have a team of minions. It'll be me. Uh, because I'm that passionate about their cause. So PatriotSwitch.com and click my name in the How Did You Hear About Us menu. All right, Big Ten kickoff luncheon. And I used to really enjoy going to this event uh, in Chicago. I wouldn't enjoy going now because, you know, I don't like taking my life in my hands in <laughs> downtown Chicago. It's now in Indianapolis, and that's great. I, I think Indy's a great city, um, very well done, very convenient downtown. Um, and And... You're always, if you're a coach, hoping that you go to this meeting and none of your guys say anything really stupid, okay? So Ryan Day comes out of that uh, one one notch ahead of Jim Harbaugh because the two teams' respective quarterbacks both said something stupid, but C.J. Strouds was harmless and just born of ego, uh, but not toward another team. It's not going to end up on anybody's bulletin board, at least not anybody outside of Ohio State. And then Cade McNamara of Michigan just just unnecessarily poke the bear. And I know Michigan beat Ohio State 42-27. to I get it. And it just doesn't seem to me like if you beat Ohio State once in 10 years that, oh, the rivalry's flipped, and oh, we can trash talk them, and oh, you know... I mean, maybe you're only going to beat them once in the next 10 years, and so you figure you might as well get your licks in while you can. If that's your uh, motivation, then okay. But Cade McNamara was talking about last year's game and about how he was surprised at the talent gap, <laughs> which he must have, I mean, he must have played in a different game than I watched, but he was surprised at the talent gap, and he said, 
I don't see that changing. I don't see that changing. Cade, come on, man. Like, you know you have to come to Columbus this year, right? You know you haven't been here since 2018, since the overtime game won by Curtis Samuel where Jim Harbaugh thought his team had stopped Ohio State on fourth down. They didn't, and Buckeyes won it on the next play. Like, the Ohio State fans, because you beat them last year, can't wait to get you in the crosshairs. I fully expect Ohio State to be undefeated by that game. And um, I was just dumb. That's, that's, in tennis, they call that an unforced error. An unforced error. Uh, in in uh, real-world big boy politics and uh, uh, college football uh, reporting, they call that stupid. Yes, I'm saying that's a stupid thing for Cade McNamara to have said. And he said it, and he's going to have to own it, and... He'll be sorry he said it, as I'm sure Ryan Day was sorry. He said something about hanging 100 points on Michigan last year. They didn't get there, and, you know, Ryan Day heard about that, and Harbaugh snarked him after the game. I just believe in winning with class. Uh, I don't think um, Michigan did that to the degree that it could have last year. They didn't go way over the line. You're allowed to do some gloating when you finally get the Buckeye monkey off your back, and I know that had to be a relief to Harbaugh, but still, man. Cade McNamara, mm, that's a bad idea, dude, and you stepped in it. Now, what did C.J. Stroud say? C.J. Stroud was talking about, so, you know, the thing is these guys are, are more available at the Big Ten media days really than they're available all year. Like, you never get these guys for this long. They have to go in a room. they got to sit there. At least in my day, they'd sit there for like a half an hour, and you run out of questions to ask them. And so, uh, you know. People hang around. They can't get enough of talking to C.J. Stroud. You got all kinds of people from all kinds of places. And, hey, cool, I get to talk to C.J. Stroud. woo And so somebody starts, and I'm not saying that's the case with this particular instance, but you say, like, why is anybody talking to C.J. Stroud about what kind of basketball player he is? Because it's small talk. It's like everything's been asked that could be asked. Okay, let's ask him something a little off the cuff. And so they ask C.J. Stroud about what kind of basketball player he is, and he starts talking about his basketball talent. And he starts trash-talking the Ohio State men's basketball team. And he's buddies with Justice Suing, because, of course, they're both from California. And he said, the five guys on a football team, the best five guys, Dewan Johnson would be one of them. He'd be a load in the post. Uh, the best five guys on the Ohio State football team could beat the Ohio State basketball team in basketball. Now, if that's the case, then... We're going to have a terrible year in basketball, and I don't think we're going to have a terrible year in basketball. I think uh, this game will never happen, number one, because Chris Holtman's not going to allow any of his basketball players to go out there and have the likes of Dewan Johnson bounce them into the mezzanine. And Ryan Day's not going to allow his guys to go out there and turn an ankle playing basketball to try to prove, you know, C.J. Stroud isn't talking through his uh, hat, as we used to say on the farm. So uh, that wasn't the smartest thing C.J. Stroud could have ever said, but uh, Justice Suing took it with the, you know, the right humor, and he laughed about it and said, hey, we got to get this game going. Well, they're not going to get that game going. That will not happen, although it would be entertaining. I will say it would be entertaining to watch for about mm, maybe five minutes, and then the Ohio State basketball team would run them off the court. There's a difference between football shape and basketball shape. And the football players are not in basketball shape, and just like the basketball players would not be in football shape. So that was kind of a, an interesting little interlude. And otherwise, Big Ten kickoff luncheon, it used to be that everybody was going to be good. Everybody's going to have the best year ever. Everybody loves their attitude. Everybody loves the you – know, can't wait to get after it. 
now they just Ohio State is so good. Everybody admits, oh, well, you know, it's it's Ohio State. <laughs> it's what are we? Gonna, Kirk Ferentz. Somebody asked Kirk Ferentz, why can't you win the Big Ten? Ohio State. So I don't recall a time when Big Ten teams were as open about the fact that they're lagging as far behind as they are, and Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten last year. Uh, Michigan did, but that uh, will not be the case this year. Ohio State will win the Big Ten this year, and I predict they'll play for the national championship. And I don't know if they're going to win it or not because I don't have any idea who they're going to play. But if they lose a game before they get to the national title game, I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned. I'll be absolutely stunned. And if they don't win the national championship, this season will be a failure. It just will. It's C.J. Stroud's final year. Um, they, they, this is, they're primed and ready. Uh, they've, known, they've been in day's offense for a while. Travion Henderson's a sophomore. They should have the offensive line figured out. They're paying Jim Knowles a boatload of money to be the defensive coordinator. Um, what do they lack? Uh, I don't know. So you got to win it all. It's, it's all or nothing, baby. All or nothing. Now, a reminder that if you're in a legal entanglement and you need great representation, the people who should be representing you are the people who represent me, Willis Spangler Starling, my attorney firm of choice. They have been my attorney for about two years. They're outstanding. I wished I'd had them a couple of years ago when I had a very bad experience with somebody representing me. That was my fault, and uh, I resolved never to let that happen again. And so it's never going to because I found a firm full of people who are um, – just amazingly competent, uh, wonderfully um, committed to using the talents that God has given them, the expertise, their fascination for the law, and to prioritize every single case as if it's the most important case they've ever handled. That's really a hard kind of mountain to climb every single day. The people who can do that are unique and I'm telling you, the partners and the associates at Willis Spangler Starling do that. They're amazing. You will love them. Their firm is growing. They're expanding personal injury, wills estate planning, probate, um, workers' compensation, all the complex stuff that makes up most of the cases that will show up in court. Willis Spangler Starling does it, and they do it great. And you'll love them. Check them out online, willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, willisattorneys.com. They're on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Great people, and uh, couldn't say any more nice things about them than uh, than I already have. Okay, now we move to the one of the newest Big Ten members, UCLA. UCLA is going to make a boatload of money coming to the Big Ten. They're going to get a $100 million-plus check every year in uh, media rights fees. And they're also going to be getting a $67 million check from Under Armour. From Under Armour. Now, a couple years ago, UCLA and Under Armour signed what was then the biggest uh, uh, equipment rights deal in college athletics. It was north of $225 million. And I thought, for UCLA? Like, really? For UCLA? Okay, do what you want, uh, Under Armour. But they did it. Well, then COVID hit. UCLA wasn't playing any sports. And then UA, like, wanted some money back because, hey, you know, we're paying you. You're not playing. And then UCLA got sideways and decided to start covering up the UA logo on their uniforms with social justice patches. And that led to a couple of lawsuits. Well, now they've settled out of court. And basically what they've done is they've terminated the agreement. They've terminated their agreement. They owed them a boatload of more, more money on the deal for the life of the deal remaining than $67 million. 
But Under Armour wanted out. Under Armour wanted out. And UCLA's like, sure, you can get out, but hey, you're going to pay us. So I don't know who UCLA's equipment provider is going to be. Uh, if I were an equipment provider, I'd be a little leery. I'd want a discount because you've already shown me you're hard to work with. And uh, besides, you got a $67 million check in your pocket, so you don't need me to pay you what typically I've been paying. So we'll see uh, who ends up with UCLA, but it definitely, definitely will not be Under Armour. Okay, let me remind you, say, you haven't done a Hemisphere Coffee Roasters read yet, Bruce. Are they no longer your sponsor? Of course they are. They're awesome. They'll give you 15% off when you use the promo code we tackle in all caps at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We tackle. A lot of you, including my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, order from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters every month or a couple times a month. They ship free on orders of $30 or more. If you live out of market, well, that's why they do an online business. They'll put together a gift pack as a gift for uh, a friend, a business, uh, an anniversary gift, a wedding gift. Just they're They're so easy to work with, and they... Take it personal. They're a small coffee operation in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, but they their tentacles into the coffee industry reach throughout the world because they used to be missionaries. Now they buy their coffee direct from growers in Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia. Uh, 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 did I say Indonesia? Indonesia is one of the places. They're very discerning buyers. They're always on the lookout for new buyers, new, new growers, but they don't buy just anybody's coffee. Uh, in fact, I knew a guy in Brazil who was trying to get his coffee uh, with Hemisphere, and it didn't make the cut. It didn't make the cut. So they're very discerning buyers. They don't just take any coffee because they want to give you the world's best coffee. And um, as far as I know, they do it. Spiels loves their coffee. He's a he's a uh, a uh, repeat customer. So Hemisphere Coffee Roasters online at guess where HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code We Tackle in all caps. Check it out. 15% off, plus free shipping on orders of $30 or more. You cannot beat that. You cannot beat that. Okay, let's go to the NFL for a second. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals are uh, hanging in there without Joe Burrow. He's had, had his appendectomy. I had an appendectomy, as I told you on the last podcast. He'll be fine. Uh, their uh, their first-round pick, Dax Hill, from Michigan, so far so good with him. What if he turned out to be as good as their last first-round pick? Whew. Jamar Chase, Bengals have drafted well, I'm telling you. Uh, be interesting to see uh, how their offensive linemen that they signed in free agency turn out. Lyle Collins is a guy who could really solidify the tackle position, but they say Jackson Carmen, the Clemson product, who's from Cincinnati, uh, went to high school in Cincinnati. Jackson Carmen had uh, a good day at camp, although if you're not hitting and it's only day two of camp, I don't know how you can really impress anybody, but Jackson Carmen got high marks in one report I read about the second day of Bengals camp. So good for him. As for the Browns, um, we're waiting, right? We're waiting for the, what do they do at the NFL headquarters when they finally make up their mind on something they could have made up their mind on about six weeks ago. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson's suspension. Uh, when they, when they get a new Pope, their smoke comes out of the chimney at the Vatican. I don't know what the Browns do when they finally get word that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended and he will be suspended. Is it going to be four games, six games, eight games, a whole year? Who knows? But the Browns deserve to know. Come on, what are you waiting on? Like, you're going to let him play in a preseason. I know that. That's what the NFL does, which is dumb to me. What's the point? You take the PR bloodbath for putting a guy out there who you're going to suspend for 12 games as if what? The reps he gets in the preseason are going to carry over to the forced inactivity that you're imposing on him for acting like 
um, you know, some crazy sex crazed idiot with 18 or 20 or 22 different masseuses. That makes no sense to me. Like if the guy's suspended, get him out of here until his suspension is over. Probably an NFL players association collective bargaining thing, but it just seems dumb to me. If I was the Browns, I wouldn't want him around if he's suspended. I wouldn't want to be tempted and tantalized. And so we'll see, but what's my prediction? I'm not. Look, it's a guess. It's not a prediction. It's a guess. Predictions are based on, I got this information. I got that information. I'm talking to this guy. I'm talking to that guy. I'm weighing it. I'm pondering it every day. That's a prediction. When I did sports in Cleveland, I could give you a prediction. Right now, I can just give you a guess. What's the number where half the people think it's too high and half the people think it's too low? What's that number? That's where they're going to land. Is it eight? Is it 12? Is it a season? I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say eight because he's not criminally guilty of anything. And he's settled with a bunch of the women. So I think eight is maybe six. If I had to put the over-under somewhere, I'd put it at six and a half. I'd put it at six and a half. The over-under, of course, is set to make you have to really think about, do I want to go over that or do I want to go under that? So I'd put the over-under at six and a half. If I had to guess, and I and I, I guess I do because it's my podcast and Sort of forced myself to guess. Eight games. That's my guess. We'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm wrong. I won't be out anything one way or the other. Now, when Deshaun Watson does come back, he'll be throwing, if he's healthy, to Amari Cooper, if both of them are healthy. Amari Cooper, the Browns, took advantage of Jerry Jones being a doofus. They did. They took advantage of Jerry Jones being a doofus. Amari Cooper has missed five games in seven years in the NFL. That's an Ironman, okay? He has had uh, multiple thousand-yard seasons. He's the antithesis, opposite, of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Like, the drama quotient in the Browns wide receiver room is gone. It's gone. Like, if you think of Drama in the Browns wide receiver room, what it was before with Landry and Beckham in there. Now picture Kiev in Ukraine after a Russian bomb hit it. That's like, that's what it's like in that Browns wide receiver room. The, the drama quotient has been bombed out of the room with Amari Cooper there because he has no drama quotient to him, which I like. I like that. But why did Jerry Jones sour on Amari Cooper? Because... Mari Cooper didn't get vaccinated. He didn't get vaccinated for COVID. And he tested positive for COVID. He had to miss two games last year. And Jerry Jones blew him up at the time on his radio show. Why does an NFL owner have a radio show? Ego. And then after the season, he blew up Amari Cooper. After they made the playoffs and lost at home to the San Francisco 49ers. They got on Amari Cooper because, oh, he didn't block well enough. Like, Like that game was lost on offense. That game was lost on defense, my friend. Well, anyway, they Jerry Jones has decided, I want this guy out of here. But he can't let it lay. He was chattering and chirping the other day about Amari Cooper. No, he didn't get vaccinated. And we expect our players to be all in. And he wasn't all in. And blah, 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 blah. Okay, Jerry Jones. Uh, he also likened Amari Cooper to Randy Gregory and the aforementioned Lyle Collins, both of whom are gone along with Cooper. But 
you can't equate a guy who wouldn't get vaccinated to two guys who got suspended for using drugs. I mean, come on. That's not even remotely the same thing. One is a decision Amari Cooper made for his own health. And one is a decision guys made, which is stupid and selfish. Now, to those who would say, well, not getting vaccinated, Bruce, is stupid and selfish. I mean, every other Dallas Cowboy got vaccinated. All the coaches got vaccinated. The Browns got vaccinated. The blah, blah, blah got vaccinated. Okay, great. Fantastic. Let's go back in time, shall we? (laughs) Rewinding the tape, and we're back at last season. How many Cleveland Browns players were were out last year because of COVID-positive tests? How many? Okay, get your guess. The correct answer is 22. And how many coaches? The answer is three. 22 players and three coaches. 25 members of the Browns organization, and they were all vaccinated, every single one. So back in the day, when you were all told by everybody from the CDC to the WNBA, that vaccines protected you from getting COVID and you couldn't spread COVID, that was not true. And so holding him, it's fine if you want to hold Amari Cooper uh, responsible for not getting vaccinated back then. I got no problem with that. I wouldn't have done it. I would have yielded to his own personal decision and courage of his convictions. But if you want to do it, okay, fine, I get it. Everybody thought vaccines would protect us because typically vaccines of other sorts do protect us. But vaccines for COVID did not protect us. And didn't we just now have a president who's been vaxxed twice and boosted twice? And he got COVID. Yes, and we have senators who've been vaxxed and boosted within an inch of their life, and they're getting COVID. So Amari Cooper, healthy, young, male athlete. Now, in hindsight, we know it didn't really matter what he did. He was going to get COVID one way or the other. And so for Jerry Jones to stick to his guns like, I was stupid. I got mad at Amari Cooper for no really good reason. At the time, it made sense. I gave him away for a fifth-round pick. Now what? You can't reevaluate your situation and go, yeah, that was kind of stupid. I made a mistake there. No, you're going to double down on it and try to label Amari Cooper as a bad guy. Amari Cooper's going to have a really good year if he doesn't get hurt. His track record says he won't get hurt. And uh, the Cowboys are going to look dumb. And I have no objection to the Dallas Cowboys looking dumb. And so I actually look forward to the Dallas Cowboys looking dumb. And Amari Cooper will make them appear so. Now, you will look dumb if you're a business owner and you get caught in a jackpot because of an HR issue. Why do you look dumb? Because you don't have an HR consultant. Can't afford one, Bruce. Uh, Beg to differ. $3 a day, $25 a week, less than $100 a month. You can't not afford to be a member of ClarityHR.com, ClarityHR.com. Eh, I don't want to be a member of some website. I'm going to call an 800 number. I'm going to get a wokester in California. I won't be able to understand them. Or, Well, I wouldn't blame you if that was what you'd get with Clarity HR, but that's not what you get. With Clarity HR, you get an Ohio person in Ohio who knows Ohio rules, regs, federal rules and regs, understands the employment challenges you face, will help you set up an employee handbook so expectations are clear, concise, and articulated, will evaluate your 
HR issues will help you design a way to interview and stay out of areas where you don't dare ask this or whoops, how in the world did I forget to ask that? They have all kinds of training modules to help you and say, I need personal attention. Okay, you get 12 hours of one-on-one personal attention every year. Now, does it get any better than that? Answer, no. Go to clarityhr.com, clarityhr.com. Okay, now for the faith portion of the podcast. We'll start with a little news and not good news, although I sent that kind of sentiment in a text this morning to my friend Chris Spielman. I said, I am very sorry to hear of the death of your very good close friend, William White. And before I could send that text, I thought about what I said. And I said, you know, Chris, I don't even know if that's the right way to convey my condolences because given the eternal perspective on this life that you and I have and that I know William had, sorrow is really not the right emotion. I just can't think of another word that conveys my empathy for you losing such a good friend. And I'm looking at a picture right now of William and Chris at the Lions Ring of Honor ceremony last year. If you remember, I played the audio of the Lions surprising Chris um, with, you know, he thought he was reading a typical promo for like a Lions something or other coming up, and it was his Ring of Honor ceremony. It was really cute how they did it. And it was so fitting that the Lions also entered William in their Ring of Honor on that same day. And Chris got to share that. Uh, induction with William, because they have been friends since William came to Ohio State in the fall of 1984 when Chris came out of Maslin, Washington, and William came out of Lima. And William started as a freshman, just like Chris did. And then they ended up on the Lions. Chris was a second-round pick. Sorry, Chris, uh, 28th overall pick or whatever it was. (laughs) And William was a fourth-round pick. And it just is, it's just right that Chris and William went into the Lions Ring of Honor at the same time. And it's, I just thought of this, and I'm going to text this to Chris. On two of the biggest days of Chris's life as an ex NFL player, no, not an ex NFL player, on two of the biggest days of Chris's life as an ex player, his induction into the College Football Hall of Fame, celebrated in Ohio Stadium, um, season opener, I forget what year, 20s. They played Navy, I know that. Chris did the game for ESPN. That was the day Chris was honored at halftime, and Steph was on the field um, in a wheelchair. Um, she would die in November of that year. And... This is the story's in the book. That's why I'm here, the Chris and Stephanie Spielman story. Chris said the ovation that day wasn't for him. It was for Stephanie and that he loved it that way. I'm not sure he was right. It was for both. But Chris shared that day with someone he loved, someone he cared for, someone who was dying. And on the Ring of Honor Day in Detroit, he shared that day with William, someone he loved, someone who was dying. And Chris Spielman 
as much as I tease him about his ego, is one of the most sacrificial, caring men I've ever known. He has... I don't know if he's forced me to be better. He's challenged me to be better. Because to say he's forced me to be better would be me um, contending that I am better. I know I'm better for having been Chris's friend. I'm not sure that I'm, I've progressed enough um, in, um, in being sacrificial and putting others first that I would dare equate where I am in that area with Chris. But it's, um, and the, the great thing about Chris is he would, he would absolutely love the, the, the um, serendipity of sharing that day when we celebrated his college football induction in Ohio Stadium, sharing that with Steph, and then sharing the Ring of Honor with William. That, that would be like, it was so totally like great for Chris. So let me read you something that William uh, told the dispatch um, right after he was diagnosed with ALS in 2018. This is a quote from William White. When Dr. Weber told me I had ALS, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he said, you don't understand. There's a 100% chance you are going to die. I told him, well, everybody who's born there's a 100% chance they're going to die, and nobody's going to live into their thousands. (laughs) I mean, what an attitude by William White. And he he kept that, you know, all throughout his his, um, ALS experience. I don't want to say it's a battle because now that he's gone, um, I will not, I will not have um, any part in saying that ALS won that battle because the way William handled it with such grace. Um, He's the winner, in my opinion. And he's the winner, in my opinion, because I know where he is right now, and I know he wouldn't uh, trade where he is right now in heaven with Jesus uh, for where we are. And so that brings me to what I wrote in my journal this morning, July 29th, 2022. I have a friend who is dying. He is dying of cancer. He is my age. We used to be colleagues for competing entities, and we were always friendly and friends. And he retired early, even though he's my age. And I lost touch with him until recently. He found me through my new radio show, and we reconnected, and it was wonderful. We are totally aligned on the way we view life, our faith, our patriotism. And we stayed in touch, not, you know, every week or even every month. But we were getting together and hanging out now and then, talking a lot, texting a lot. And then I got busy and he got busy and we didn't touch base for a while. And one day we touched base, and he indicated that he had been going through some health issues and that he was on his way to vacation and that he was really struggling, and he hoped that his his struggles would not impact his family's vacation. This guy's a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. 
And I heard from him shortly after that, and he had gone to the doctor, and he found out that he has uh, terminal kidney cancer. And so, wow, right? What do you say to him? I've tried to be uh, real. I've tried to be real. Encouraging, yeah, but not ignoring what is clearly, apparently, coming. And perhaps relatively soon. So he was on my mind this morning after I called him yesterday because he made such an impression on me yesterday with our phone conversation. It's the first time we've spoken. We'd texted. It's the first time we'd spoken since his diagnosis. And I asked him what he was doing and how he was spending his days. And he told me the effort he's going through to stay awake during the day. He could sit in a lazy boy and fall asleep all day or watch TV. He's not doing any of that. He sits in a moderately comfortable chair, like a kitchen chair. And he sits sometimes inside, sometimes outside. But even when he's inside, he's looking outside. He's looking at his property. He's looking at his landscaping. He's looking at nature. And he said this to me. And I could tell from the way he said it that he meant it 100%. He said, this last month has been the best month of my life. And we talked about that because he was able to, in this past month, reflect on all God's blessings in his life. He said, he's dying of cancer. He's leaving behind a wife and two children, and he's not going to get to see the kids get married and be a grandfather and on and on and on, and they just remodeled their house, and, you know, he doesn't have that perspective. So I'm thinking about that as I'm sitting in my chair thinking about all the things I ponder in the course of my job and all the things I ponder in the course of praying for my daughters and my wife and our marriage and our future and our country and all this stuff. And the stuff that goes on that is cultural is, by my estimation, not great. And I just had so much, not envy, but just so much admiration that my friend has this perspective that, like, he sits and he focuses on nature. You can say, well, yeah, he's, you know, weakened and he can't work. And, you know, so why don't, you know, Bruce, you'd, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, not doing what you'd not be doing your duty as a provider and a protector of your family if you just quit your job and hey i'm going to sit in a chair and look at nature and you're right you're right i take my role as a provider and a protector of my family seriously i take my role as a talk show host seriously i believe that being a talk show host is my it's my god-ordained job right now and i do that as well as i can and i provide and i protect as well as i can Uh, but I'll tell you that being around and amid and aware of the cultural creep that I feel threatens my family and my friends, um, is a challenge to deal with. And it was very uh, helpful for me, a great blessing to me, actually, to hear my friend share that the focus in his life, um, is not on those things. Um, his, his three 
chief characteristics right now. As he literally waits to die, he's having treatment, but it's, it's not likely to do much, maybe extend his life a year. But the three main characteristics um, that a lot of people would have in his situation would be what? They would be fearful of what's coming. They would be um, angry about what's uh, happening. And they would be hopeless if they don't know Jesus as their Savior. He's not any of those things. He is peaceful. He is thankful. And he is awestruck. Um, and that's amazing to behold. So, of course, you know how this works. You're thinking about those things, praying about those things, and then you pick up your Bible, and okay, it's my... I got time to read a couple of uh, chapters in Psalms, and I got time to read, you know, Proverbs, <laughs> which I do every day. So here's the first two verses of Psalm 146. After I'm pondering all this stuff about my friend and his amazing attitude, here's the first two verses. I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. That's Psalm 146, 1 and 2. And that is what my friend is totally focused on right now. And that is what God has allowed and blessed him to be able to focus on now. His heart is grateful. It's not rebelling against having to die with cancer. Instead, he's rejoicing in in getting to die with cancer. He gets to push all the headlines, and he told me he's no longer engaged in the headlines, no longer watches the news, doesn't watch TV. He gets to push the headlines of the day out of his cognitive focus and focus instead on God, on God's provision and on his goodness, and he gets to think about all the... (laughs) All the possibilities of heaven. He said to me, do you think my dad will escort me? Do you think my dad will meet me when I get to heaven and escort me to meet Jesus? Man, that's that's amazing to to be able to sit and think about what heaven's going to be like. And we probably don't have any clue what it's going to be like, and it may not work at all like we think it will. But it's going to be amazing, and it's pretty cool that that's what my friend is thinking about, which to me is such a preferable way to transition from this life to the next life, rather than the way we always think about, which is, I just want to go quick, I don't want to have any pain, and just take me out, like one minute I'm alive, and the next minute I'm gone. No, 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 no. That's not how my friend's going. And he's maximizing the way he's going. He's gotten to meet with his men's group from church and laugh and have fun. He's gotten to think about the time he's gotten to spend with his kids and and all the things that he got to experience with his kids. And he could sit in a lazy boy and sleep a day away with the medication that he's on, and he could watch Netflix and documentaries and binge watch this, that, and the other. Or he could sit there and watch Fox News 24-7 and all this stuff and get all honked off about certain, you know, deals and back scratching that's going on 
in Washington, but instead, he is doing he is doing what that old hymn tells us to do. That hymn that says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what he's doing. He's fixing his eyes on Jesus, and the things of this earth have faded in the light of his glory and grace. So what do I do with that? What do you do with that? What can we do with that? Is it possible for us to do anything at that with that, given the fact that we are not dying and we do have jobs and we do have duties and we do have responsibility? I think the key is, where does my ultimate focus rest? I still have a healthy body and a healthy mind and I'm able to function in the roles that, that God's, God's given me different roles right now. I'm, I'm a protector and I'm a provider. And I can't shirk those duties. But I also can't let anything else take priority over my duty and obligation to do what that verse, verses said in Psalms 146 to sing praise to my God as long as I live. That has to be part of it. Praise has to be a part of my life as I provide and as I protect. Because if it is, then if I keep those three things in the right perspective and the right order, praise, protect, provide, then that'll be a testimony to my family, my friends, just in the same way that my friend's testimony was a blessing to me yesterday on the phone. And if I can do that, perhaps I can do it in the same way my friend is doing it with a complete absence, regardless of circumstances, of Anger, fear, resentment, and hopelessness. So then I picked up my Bible to read Proverbs. And here's Proverbs 29. It's July 29th. Here's Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Fear of man will prove a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. So, kind of interesting how those verses fall, is it not? (sighs) Man, um, hope you have a great weekend. Uh, Pray for my friend. Maybe I should say pray for us, that we can be like my friend. And um, maybe we're the ones who need the prayers. Because I tell you what, he's got it. He's not had it figured out. He's executing it well. 
He's going to hear it. He's going to hear it. He's going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Have a great weekend.